Ali, why did you invest in the Navident dynamic navigation system? It's incredible. It brings our safety and accuracy up for patients. Here's a tracker that we use. And thanks to Rob from the Dental Imaging Company, it's been great support and so easy to set up. I see why so many people go to him for their digital imaging, 3D or two-dimensional, and also all their surgical supplies like Ustamed screws. Rob's been incredible, and I'd highly recommend working with him. What's that you're holding? Well, this is a burr box from Crown Dental Burrs and it has Dr. Flo King's name on it. And the reason we've implemented this in the practice is that Paul has the rotor system. So his great burrs are kept in order. That means you can ask your nurse for a number of burr, which means you'll always get the same burr. And the rotor system means you'll never run out of burrs. So it's definitely worth the investment and it's not nearly as dear as you might think for something this good. Greetings dental professionals. I'm Flo, a new addition to the field. And I'm Ali, a seasoned dentist who's been around for a while. Welcome to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry, where we explore the depth of dental expertise. You can find us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this special episode split into two parts so that we could include all the vital information on staying safe in dentistry. Welcome to part one. So Ali, how was your week? It's been a good week, thank you Flo. <laughs> it was a busy week but a good week. We did a dual arch case that was pretty challenging using Navident for both arches which was really cool last week so I'll share more about that uh, in times to come. We've done a lot of uh, debriefs and analysis of it so that's been <laughs> awesome. And uh, Southern Implants announced their full lineup for their conference in South Africa in April. I'm really excited to be speaking, but I'm even more excited to see what other people are speaking about and the innovations. And um, Akash Maru, who I've talked about before, I'm mentoring him, has booked his flight out there. Wow. Yeah. And my friend um, Sheka, who has the best name, anyone who knows <laughs> Sheka Bhuva, um, who is a periodontist in London, really cool. She's doing a lot of implants and um, she's thinking about booking a ticket. Can I tempt you to come out there with us? <laughs> um, I mean, I would love to, but I feel like maybe in a few years time, I feel like some of it might be lost on me at this stage. I think you'd be okay, but I, I thought you might object to the to the flight out there. Well, I was going to say that. I was going to say, I was like, I feel like if, if it was something I was going to get absolutely loads from, then there's sort of a, a risk to, to yeah, the benefits ratio might be a little bit more Fair. outweighed. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think in a few years time when I could be like, yes, this is 100% going to be worth it. But yeah, otherwise the air miles, you know little bit too much carbon footprint for me right now <laughs> fair we can go plant trees out there but i'm thinking maybe in the next few years then and the more people that go like we've talked about before to something together the more fun it is oh definitely um and then it was kind of bittersweet because i found out my, my dog buona needs uh to have a couple of extractions oh. um yeah bless him i was just gonna get them out of home <laughs> well, so this is the thing. i was I, I brush his teeth every day i was brushing his teeth and he let out a little yelp and then i found a little piece of tooth on on his bed and i was thinking what is this <laughs> it was a tooth i should have known that but um czar took him to the vet and the vet said oh he's got a cracked tooth on either side and we can either refer him to have an endodontic opinion mm. he got more options <laughs> than some nhs patients um so uh we can refer him for an endodontic opinion or we can take him out and i was thinking 
this guy is this guy is not going to be able to say. I mean, he, the things he does with his teeth. But can I just put a couple of implants in there? And there's a whole <laughs> ethics thing around that. Um, so poor Buana has to have a couple of extractions under GA. Oh, but to be fair, one of my cats sees it. He he has he's missing his top fangs. They had to be extracted. Oh. And he definitely has halitosis again. So oh. I reckon some more will need to come out sometime soon. <laughs> See, I'm I'm fascinated by veterinary dentistry. I've been following um Morton the vet dentist. Yes, I follow it. Yeah. Really, really fascinating. Yeah. Although I am jealous that all his patients are out cold. Com- yes. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. But he does really cool stuff. I mean, he puts composite on teeth to you know change occlusion and all sorts. He's yeah, really cool guy. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Well, talking of the NA, the NHS, as you said, and patients having options. What do you think of the new government plan to save NHS dentistry? The best uh, quote I found was on a thread on Four Dentists by Dentists, and someone said, it's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> I think that's just such a good way to describe it. Yes, I think that's very accurate. What, what do you think? Too little, too late. Um, no. I think a lot of the, the things that they're sort of promoting are actually things that sort of are all ready happening for example sort of that 20,000 golden hello which is actually there's definitely been going on probably for the last five years in lots of places I remember yeah I remember reading a, a BD a BDJ article on it a few in the pandemic pre-pandemic saying I think it was like mid Wales and they were really struggling and yeah I think that was 18,000 they were offering then so um, so it's nothing. It's nothing new. It's just that they've decided to publicise it now, mm. and and they've decided to put more funding towards some patient groups. So there is basically doing a checkup for someone who hasn't seen a dentist for a while. Mm. There's an extra fifteen quid, which when you own a practice, you know, is nothing towards operating costs. That's fine. Um, but a lot of places, what that's going to mean is that the existing patients just get bumped. Mm. Well, that's, I, that, that was one of the first things I thought. I was like, I just don't understand that then people who have been sort of really dedicated to looking after their teeth are sort of actually going to get this really poor end of the deal. And I understand so many people are struggling to get in. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it's a fair system that they've come up with a tool there. It's not a solution. It's a it's a political solution, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's just shocking when you when you think about the fact that I didn't even realize elections were around the corner, but they're fixing NHS dentistry. And you just think, you know, do we actually want a solution? We've talked about this before, but it's just a shame. It's um, it's a slow march, isn't it, to the inevitable? Yes. Yes. I think, yeah, the only real solution is some massive uphaul of almost everything and reassessing everything. Um, yeah. Again, I think it would be really interesting to talk to someone in in who's making some of these policies um, to sort of see where they're standing and what the thinking is behind some of them. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it's going to be before the elections because it would. Uh... I mean, it's taken since two thousand and six for someone to stand up to it. Um, you know, the BDA are saying lots now, mm-hmm. and better late than never. But actually. Yeah, that ship has sailed now. And I think it being in the news is fine, but it's more raising awareness. I mean, greedy dentist, who isn't taking £20,000 for free? Oh, it's £20,000 to go work in the middle of nowhere. Oh, you're tied in for three years. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So £20,000 to go do a job that, as we talked about in the last episode, is grueling for so many reasons. 
away from your family where you're tied into a contract mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't really I don't really think that that's as appealing as the headlines make it sound. No, no. I mean, again, I don't, calling it back to Brexit, I think that's where a lot of some of that, these issues, because that's what they said before, a lot of that workforce working in these areas were some European dentists sort of coming over and they'd work there for a few years, sort of build up some of that NHS experience. And we've lost that. And then there's not then as many dentists sort of coming through that way to fill it and it's just although i will say the one thing i thought was maybe a good idea were those vans yeah I thought they were quite interesting as a being able to get out sort of more of that outreach having those dental vans to get to that remote dentistry but I, and and that could work really well i mean mm-hmm. it, it's funny i anyone listening who who knows me personally might know this story but um i was at I'll call it a family dinner once because I don't want to give too much away here. But um, I was at a family dinner for extended family when someone decided across a table full of people to tell me about this great idea they have to get this van, a dental van, Mm -hmm. and go around to millionaires' houses in London because millionaires don't want to leave their houses apparently (laughs) and provide dentistry in their driveway. And I was thinking, this is a much better use of this van than what they were thinking. Um, So, yeah. Um, I mean, reaching rural communities is just so important. Deliveroo dentistry. Yeah, no, yeah I mean, if, if anyone wants to build an app for that, yeah. Um, but but I guess um, what what we what we're finding now is in across other parts of the NHS as well, in medicine, in dentistry, the conditions that these jobs are under mean that people are leaving the system. Mm-hmm. And in dentistry, we've talked about it. There's more private dentistry happening and there's a move towards that but mm-hmm. in medicine we're probably just losing really good doctors who are leaving to go abroad mm-hmm. um and then because of brexit it's even harder to fill their spaces yeah oh no definitely and i, I yeah i think we're even in dentistry there's people just leaving dentistry because yeah. they just i think get so burnt out sometimes with with what the, the current system is and then they can't even move into maybe a fully private job because they're sort of so done done with it and can be so traumatized by it that they just want to do something completely different and quite often you you can't even blame them because of what's what is going on and that pressure that they are under there as you were saying you spoke to friends and family this week and they were just surprised at how the nhs works so Mm. i guess um probably every week we'll talk about another step towards the end of nhs dentistry (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah that's getting me down how was the rest of your week um so yeah i had a i had a a, i've had a hectic week but it's been really good i um i'm coming to the end of um an author case that i'm sort of really it's been really nice to to see um been working with helen rimmer on it um who's fantastic fantastic dentist down at cardiff bay um and it's been really nice sort of working together she's such a perfectionist and it's sort of yeah it's amazing sort of to see the detail that sort of she works to um and we're doing some whitening at the moment but we're doing we've taken the top brackets off and we're whitening the top teeth and then leave left the lower ones on so it's really, it's almost like a half mouth study. It's amazing to see the whitening results <laughs> in real time. Um, because it is funny. I think when patients come in, like the whitening's Nothing not changed. working. And you're yeah. like, your, I, my eyes are like hurting. So actually to see it in one mouth is quite, um, 
it's quite quite cool to see you're like oh it's definitely working then you cannot say it's not so yeah. um that's been good and then um i went to um an idor talk um by sid gupta last night on um preps and that was yeah really really interesting um took lots of sort of little tips and things away um yeah he's again got a real eye some of his photography as well is is really really gorgeous that's amazing sort of seeing some of those um tips and tricks so definitely going to try and implement a couple of them into my work my work this this week actually sit i've worked with sid and his work is beautiful and the Sid really cares about patience. Like he really puts a piece of his soul into each piece mm. of work. I think it's knackering for him because of that. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I can see why. But if you speak to any of the nurses, they'll tell you that he is like, yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, you mentioned Helen. Um, it was funny because uh, Helen was one of the founding members of IDAW. Mm-hmm. And um, Helen came, uh, it was something to do with IDAW. We were working together on a project and she passed by the practice. And she came in and Helen's amazing because she walks in, she goes, you should do this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And she left and I went, okay, let's do all of that. And she's been a big part of the development of the practice. She's amazing. So no, that's really cool. Yeah. She's definitely got that eye. She can, yeah, really pinpoint, I think, little little things there, which is, yeah, it's fantastic to to work with her. Um, and yeah, for any listeners, the next IDAW talk I am doing on sustainability. Awesome. Um, so if, yeah, if anyone wants to, come along to that um yeah just visit the idol website cool um, do you know do you know when it is it's on the 13th of march okay um it's i think it's in, in cardiff um and yeah if you're not a member it's it's only 10 pounds and so. it's and it's 50 pounds if you bring a car is that right <laughs> please please car share if walk, you can <laughs> walk and plant a tree on your way or you're not coming in yeah bike 50 miles <laughs> so yeah and, well to be fair call out to Theo the dentist who at the last the one this week he did cycle there so yeah no Theo's great with this stuff I mean mm. uh, Flo well done because your your goal and your passion is to raise awareness for sustainability and make dentistry more sustainable and it's amazing since we had our referral day where you gave a talk mm. um, you're now you're doing the IDAW talk mm-hmm. you've got more talks booked in yes I'm doing um, one with um, HEIW in May um, and then yeah hoping hoping to work with some of the DF schemes on a on a few things as well and I'm working Amazing. as part of the uh, sort of a national steering group looking at um, yeah healthcare in general and sort of the, how we're going to make healthcare in general more sustainable so I'm sort of the dental dental lead on that so awesome really no, yeah, well done. really cool well things done. And, and thank you for I mean the amount of plastic single-use plastic especially i know there's a lot of examples of sustainability but all the little things that have changed we were just talking about the fact that we use optrigate for procedures Mm -hmm. and the fact that we have autoclavable versions of these Mm -hmm. and you know what it just takes one person thinking about this and caring about this and we can Mm -hmm. change so many things so Mm -hmm. um yeah maybe maybe in time we can share pictures um via the podcast instagram page of some of the things that you've implemented because mm-hmm. I think it's so easy and actually if someone said to me do you want to make the practice more sustainable I'd be like yeah mm-hmm. if they said how how I'd go I don't know so mm-hmm. yeah amazing yeah. well I've got yeah if anyone wants any tips I've definitely got I've got loads so yeah I'll try and put some more things out on Instagram as well brilliant because I think that's going to be the key is everyone working together and it's sharing ideas and and moving on from that yeah 
But that takes us on to today's um, episode. It's going to be a little bit more of a mishmash of a few topics to give today. Um, but I really wanted to talk about sort of indemnity, dealing with sort of patients that can be a little bit more sort of tricky to deal with and sort of how we as dentists can sort of protect ourselves, make sure we're staying safe and sort of record keeping and everything yep. along those lines. Um, first thing I wanted to ask you is how do you recognize sort of a difficult patient early on? There's so many little things, isn't there? <laughs> I used to, because of things that I was told by other dentists, um, I used to think that uh, when you're speaking to a patient about treatment options, it's an opportunity to pitch to them. Mm -hmm. I now think of speaking to patients as an opportunity to convince them not to have treatment. And the key with that is tell them all the risks, tell mm -hmm. them everything that could go wrong with each of their options. Mm -hmm. And for me, the key is a patient who is not, who is not willing to take on those risks and even worse, a patient who is not willing to listen to what you are saying. Mm -hmm. And so I think of it more as um, it's not um, a sales opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's like a date. And, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you are trying to see if it's a good match. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you provide any treatment for someone, if you aren't both on the same page, it's a problem. And so sometimes I think people look to have boxes to tick to mm -hmm. know that there are red flags. Sometimes it's just that feeling or that little voice going, something mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair for me, the advice I would give is it's fair to go, okay, I'm not so sure. And maybe I'm having an off day. Maybe they're having an off day. Mm -hmm. So I tell you what, let's make an appointment in a week mm. and review the treatment options again. Mm -hmm. um, but 99% of the time, I'd say that feeling is the red flag. What do you, what do you think? No, I completely, I completely agree. Uh, yeah. Gut instinct. Obviously, yeah. your microbe in your in your gut there is connected to your brain. It definitely knows things. Um, but so what? The, the, <laughs> the bugs look at this patient. And go no, no, no. Send yeah, a signal. <laughs> yeah, I truly believe that. Um, but no, seriously, I think as well. Also, if there's any sort of more patients listening, and actually as dentists, we also do have to be patients as well. Even if you're seeing an absolutely fantastic dentist it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right match. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like that date thing is that actually you have to be on the same wavelength and want, yeah. you know, talk in this um, sort of in a similar way sort of about things, I think. Um, and there's really interesting studies as well about how if you sort of relate to someone, then you're more likely to do what they say, which I think is really interesting. Like, yeah. I mean, when I'm giving like oral hygiene, I'm always actually trying to connect with someone, whether it be like, oh, you run, I run. And then yeah. sort of so that then they are more likely to listen when I say this is how you want to brush your teeth. Go buy this toothbrush and everything. Because, um, uh, yeah, I do think it's if they can relate to you and yeah. you can get that connection, everything's going to go a lot more smoothly there. So I guess your ability to um, connect with different types of people will determine your potential patient base. Yeah. But actually, it's okay if you can't connect with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Just stay safe. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be broad. It, yeah. As long as, I think, yeah, it's that comfort level, isn't it? Um, yeah. That's going to be sort of really sort of key. So what do you do 
sort of in terms of when you're collecting data, sort of to make sure that you're sort of covering absolutely everything? So um, the few things that we've realized over time and that we've kind of developed into our workflow, the first is that when a patient calls up and they speak to reception, mm-hmm. they are told the actual cost of things according to what they're asking. Mm-hmm. One of the problems is when patients don't trust you, and I think one of the things that can really break trust is like kind of doing the from kind of price on the phone, which sometimes is unavoidable. Mm-hmm. You can't see a tooth. The receptionist can't necessarily triage that. Um, but uh, having an honest conversation, you know, rather than the from, the from to price. Yeah. The, this is the range of prices for this kind of procedure. That actually has a massive effect because firstly, people don't want to turn up and feel either cheated or get embarrassed that they can't afford something. That's what leads to a lot of confrontation right from the beginning, I found. Mm-hmm. So just really honest conversations before patients even come in. And then when patients come in, that initial consultation appointment, the best tip that I have, the thing that I started doing a long time ago, and I think it works really well, is I record consultations with consent. It's voice recorded, Mm -hmm. and I ask patients permission. I have a small dictaphone. I mean, they they cost nothing. They're 20 quid off Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, I've only ever had one person ever say no and for me, that was a huge red flag because once I explain why I want to record it, look, I want to record it for a clinical record. So there's an accurate um, record of our conversation, but I'm going to send you a copy as soon as we're done. It's even better than a letter. Mm-hmm. You can listen back to it with your partner, with your family, mm-hmm. and you can really think about whether this is a good decision for you. It also uh, keeps a clinician honest because you have to mention all the pros and cons and treatment options. Mm-hmm. And if something, if a patient ever feels like you didn't mention something. The beauty is if a patient comes in and say they five years ago, they had an implant Mm -hmm. and they have some kind of peri-implant disease. It's been diagnosed elsewhere. They come back and they say, you never said this could happen. Mm. I can say, well, I should have said that. I should have said that. So can we just sit down and listen to this? And we listen to Mm -hmm. it. And if I didn't say it, it's my fault. But most of the time they hear themselves go, yeah, yeah, I understand that risk. Mm -hmm. And it just completely diffuses the situation. So from a consent point of view, but also protecting yourself, Mm -hmm. I think using that voice recording, and it goes on to the patient records. It's all very confidential. So we use software of excellence. So it gets imported onto there. Mm -hmm. And it's just as on there on their records. I think that's been... um, a really good way for me to feel safe and do the patient justice. No, I think that's a really a really good tip. I will be going and ordering one. Yeah, and <laughs> and and actually, the the biggest thing is when you press record as soon as it starts recording, you just say it's now recording our voices, mm. and that shows that everyone in the room is aware that the mm-hmm. conversation is being recorded. I don't have a problem. I know some people get really upset if they find out a patient's been recording them, with or without consent. Mm. I don't have a problem with that. I feel like it doesn't change anything that I do. Mm-hmm. And actually, everyone recording everything out in the open is, a, I think, a really good way to start, a really transparent way to start. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. No, definitely. And what I think as well, isn't it, that, that people only hold on to sort of 20% of that information? Yes, yes. If, if that, that's yeah. the higher yeah. end. So, yeah, being able to actually then go home and digest lots of it, I think is really useful it's sort of why yeah, when i'm sometimes doing sort of the oral hygiene you're showing different tps how to use it and saying oh can i have your phone i'm going to film you yes um, so they've got it on their record as yes. well i think that's just so 
so useful. So so much better than uh, sending people home with a link to a video of someone else talking about it or you mm. talking about it to a general audience because it's a genuine connection and conversation between two people where you're going, this is what I can do mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Would it help you? So, yeah. yeah. Really useful as well when there's something awkward and there's nearly always something awkward on some weird bridge or some something yes. straight. There's a crown margin that's really... Yeah, I think it, it does. It makes it really... Are much easier to digest at home in terms of if you sort of so when you do have that your gut starts going yeah red flag red flag how sort of something i know i've struggled with is actually is that saying no and how you say no and being confident yeah. in saying no how did you sort of learn to do that by saying yes and regretting it <laughs> the yeah, hard way <laughs> yeah, honestly what happens is this is so awkward and we want to help people and it just goes against your nature if if you're mm-hmm. a certain way and then you you help someone and actually the worst things that happen the biggest complaints you get the biggest worries you have mm-hmm. are always when you try to go out of your way mm-hmm. um you know the the example i have is there was a patient that when I was first, when I'd first qualified, um, he had come in for a checkup months and months ago. And um, I told him that this tooth needs a crown on it. And he had gone, okay, yeah, I'll do it at some point. And then four months later, he called in in the morning and said, this tooth has snapped and it's bothering me. It's not painful, but it's kind of bothering my tongue. So it's been four months since the advice was given. I had a fully booked day. I was newly qualified. And I said, you know what, book him at lunch because I don't want him suffering. Mm. And he comes in and I look at it and I go, oh, there's, you know, there's nothing to build up here. I can smooth the sharp edge, but now the tooth needs to come out. Mm. And he went, well, I've come in for nothing. And I was thinking, well, no, I, I, I've smoothed the sharp edge for you. And I end up offering to take his tooth out in that lunchtime. Mm. It ends up being ankylosed. So for anyone who doesn't know, the tooth is fused to the bone. And I end up not being able to take the whole tooth out. Now, this mm. is on the NHS. So there is an NHS fee for this. And I end up getting a complaint. Mm. And I just thought, you know what? I really went out of my way to help someone who wasn't helping themselves. Mm. And actually, I compromised myself because um, that there were so many times a line could have been drawn there. And I think cases like that, drawing mm. a line and saying, if you could wait four months, I need to wait till I have long enough. Mm-hmm. And if all I have long enough for is to smooth the tooth, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think... The way to say no now to actually answer your question is um, just to be quite upfront about it and to say, look, um, there are risks to this procedure. I feel like you aren't happy with those risks, but I can't take those risks away. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to go to someone for this treatment Mm -hmm. who can provide it without these risks. Yes. And a lot of the time people say, okay, I can accept these risks. And sometimes that's okay, but sometimes it's not genuine. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say, look, I'm not comfortable. Yes. And it, it, like you said, it sort of is sometimes, I think, knowing who then to refer to and knowing sort of who's going to have your back in those situations yes. can make that no a lot more comfortable. Do you mean when you say no to be able to say no, but this person might be able yes. to help you? Um, You know, I feel that if there is a clinical procedure I can't or don't want to provide. Mm-hmm. But if it's someone not willing to accept risk, I'm now like, why am I putting yeah. that on someone else? And why am I then 
sending this person to someone who they might just have a no from them. So <laughs> now I just say, well, you'll have to find someone because yeah. I don't know anyone unreasonable enough to agree to this treatment <laughs> yeah. plan without the risks, right? Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I think it is definitely to begin with. I think that is one of the biggest learnings that you get actually in your first few years out of dental school is the how when to say no and how to say no and I think looking back definitely for me that's been one of the things that I've progressed I think most in over the last few years I feel like it's not even something that you stop learning about mm. I feel like there's still sometimes I think back and I go oh, I could have spotted that and it's nothing terrible but if it, I should have been more clear about this when I saw that red flag and given this person the opportunity to accept this or to walk away. Um, but I think the pressure we put on ourselves, it's normally when a young dentist has really wants to do a procedure and it's, it's, it's not necessarily financially motivated. It's like, I went on this course, I learned this really cool thing. This person might let me do this thing and it would be really cool. And sometimes it's like, that's, I think, a big part of where mentorship comes in. Mm -hmm. Someone to go, <laughs> no, <laughs> there'll be another bus in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. just wait for that one. Um, and I think someone who's been through it before is is a really good way to mm. to avoid these Hindsight mistakes. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever felt scared sort of in an appointment? Like physically threatened? No, I can't say I haven't. I think... I think I've been lucky, but I also think uh, it's I'm it's because of my gender, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Um. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've definitely. Yeah. I had a few appointments where, um, people have become a little bit aggressive, and um, yeah, police have had to be called. Oh wow. So, um, and I think that is always a little bit of that fear, and it's sort of how you're managing a patient in the the right way i mean it's it's great that in this country that we always have sort of a dental nurse in the room so you've got sort of two people there but there is also that element of actually quite often it is two two females there then yeah um and if you have quite a large aggressive bloke it can get quite scary um do you think that do you think that um the patients who have been like that Mm -hmm. were like that because there's two women in the room rather than I mean that would be very it's very hard to say yeah I think that there, there can be an element of that there's definitely um I mean there definitely still is some some biases and some prejudice involved not I've had people definitely sort of say like oh are you you're gonna get this tooth out like um like, you must be one of those people that put your knee on people's chest that I hear about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but also, yeah, so I think it's that classic, some of it's definitely unconscious bias as well, where if you picture a dentist, I think most people would picture a male, even though now I think something like 60% of the den dentists are, are female. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so I think, yeah, there is that element where sometimes, yeah, there, there is that bias already coming into the room. Um, and then See, you... This is why, sorry to interrupt, this is why I don't understand how and why hygienists and therapists work alone. 
We've never had a hygienist or therapist in this building work without a nurse because forget the fact that I couldn't do their job without a nurse. Mm-hmm. But the the a chaperone when you're dealing with m- members of the public, strangers in a closed space with sharp objects. I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, I'm, I'm making it sound scarier than it is. This, you know, um, but um, yeah. yeah, it must be terrifying to be physically scared in that closed space. There's nowhere to go. Yes. Um, oh yeah, I think you then learn from it, and it, again, it's recognizing some of those um, those signs early and sort of knowing how to to manage a situation but maybe it's something that should be discussed a little bit more at dental school sort of how how to diffuse some of those situations i know i'm putting you on the spot here but any anything you look back and you wish you had done differently any any ways that to diffuse or any ways to keep yourself safe in those situations um well the top of my head there's the um one where i sent this happened here where I, i sent the nurse to for assistance um so then i was left alone which looking back should have sent a a message rather so that i wasn't then um alone um it's hard to say sort of in the moment because actually in that particular case i actually think how i was talking at everything there i wasn't everything was kept quite mild and everything there wasn't anything we're discussing really difficult options sort of it was from the start quite um simple but maybe again maybe with reception team sort of warnings i think sometimes when you suddenly say oh you, you've got to have this tooth out and then people and it, yeah with patients it, it's quite traumatic to suddenly like oh i'm losing a i've got to lose a tooth that i didn't i wasn't mentally prepared to lose or yeah. something like that um, so, so this goes back to um, the first point I made, which is the language that reception use on the phone. Mm. Our reception team don't make promises. Mm-hmm. And if someone calls and says, oh, my tooth is, um, my, my crown has come off, I'd mm. like to make an appointment for someone to stick it back on. Mm-hmm. That's never what the appointment is made for. We can make you an appointment for someone to have a look at it. Mm. And actually, you can see why a patient would get distressed if they came in to have something fixed that mm. can't be fixed because there's so many factors behind this there's the emotional and psychological there's the financial there is mm. so much behind it oh yeah it, it, i think as a patient as well it's it is you're in a very vulnerable situation as a patient like it's yes, not actually yes. nice to be laying back yes. you've got your mouth open there's someone you don't know that well sort of actually looking right yeah right at your teeth there um so you can understand why actually in that high stress things then do happen yeah um but yeah again it's yeah keeping everything i think as calm yeah. as possible the whole time um yeah so I guess, you know, there's patient factors that we can't account for. The things that we need to control are the things that are within our control. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, a big reason that kind of the next thing we we're going to talk about is the big reason why uh, a lot of the issues that are occurring in dentistry in the UK at the moment are occurring. Mm-hmm. And it's to do with complaints and indemnity, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's that that cloud I think hanging over yes. everyone all the time and causing extra sort of stress. Yeah. There. Um, and that was kind of like a few years ago. I looked into. I was tired of having you know situations like I explained, 
the patient would get a refund and an apology from from our indemnity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was almost encouraging people to not take responsibility for themselves. It's fair. The whole point of having indemnity is that you're held accountable if you're negligent because it's mm -hmm. not fair on a patient if they, but but if they are given options and, and choose not to take them and something happens, mm -hmm. that's just the consequences of, of life and their own actions. Mm -hmm. And I was very tired of the indemnity company that I was with at the time. I won't mention them. Um, <laughs> I, but everyone everyone can name all, the, all of these, you know? They're going, oh, was it this one or this one? Um, but I was tired. 50-50. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I, I was tired of the way they were dealing with it. And um, and then insurance-based uh, indemnity came out. So there's discretionary and then insurance came out. Mm -hmm. And I, w I jumped on that early. And I know some people moved over slowly and were scared of moving over. And some people still never will. Mm -hmm. But um, it's the best thing I've done. Mm. Um, and there are people involved in discretionary and in other insurance that will say well you know you haven't read the fine print and if something goes wrong but I really looked into it actually and mm. one of the things that used to be said to us in dental school was oh this indemnity is discretionary so what that means is let's say someone who's not our member does something wrong for example the ex what was said to us was if a dentist um, is about is not with us and is about to get in trouble and they're the patient's word is going to be taken over the clinical records, mm -hmm. then we will step in even though he's not a member of ours um, because it's for the good of our membership that the clinical records come first, mm -hmm. which is very logical, mm -hmm. but also a huge misrepresentation of what discretionary means. Because when you actually go out there and speak to people, you realize what it means is it's not about you as an individual. Mm -hmm. So it's about protecting the membership. And sometimes you are left high and dry for the good of the membership. Mm. And um, what I'd like is, I'd like a system where, and a lot of people liken this to, to car insurance. Mm -hmm. I'd like a system where I'm risk assessed, risk assessed on the basis of my history and mm. what I present with. And I am promised cover mm. based on that. Yes. Yeah. I think that makes a lot more sense. Um, and definitely after I started working for you, I ended up swapping over yeah. pretty soon after yeah. that. Um, and what? so if you are sort of looking at one of these, what are the things that you think someone should look for? So firstly, I think you should speak to the people involved in, in this. Um, mm -hmm. There are lots of insurance-based companies now. Um, a lot of them have dentists involved at the heart of them. So speak to them. And they should give you a sales pitch. They should tell you what's good about their insurance, mm -hmm. right? Because they all, we're not going to get into the terminology here, but there's all these uh, nuances like runoff cover and there's things to do with um, whether it's uh, claims occurring or there, there's so much terminology around this and different things suit different people. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is don't go ask your friend, which one are you with? Are they good? Is that what you did? Yeah. You did that <laughs> oh, I did, I did. <laughs> I picked the right one for us. Don't Damn, worry. Okay. But no, no, no. But 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 um, I think people should phone phone up and speak to people. And the people who have the time of day for you and will explain things will help you choose one that suits you. Mm -hmm. 
And it's about understanding there's no perfect product in any insurance market. Mm -hmm. And it's about kind of choosing the risk that you're taking. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is now we have more and more choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Like when you like you renew your car insurance every year. Mm -hmm. These are things that I think you should review because Mm -hmm. gone are the days. I mean, I remember a few years qualified. I received a quote for 12,000 pounds for my indemnity and I was a few years qualified. Jeez. I was like, uh, no, I, I, I don't have a problem. Like, I'm yeah. uh, aside from this one guy who didn't want to come in for four months, we're pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. Um, when do you think you should use your indemnity? This is what's really interesting. So when I left a discretionary indemnity for an insurance, I had to get a letter of good standing, which they really stalled on giving me as well. I mean, but. Um, they say to you, oh, you should call us. Any little thing, call us for advice. It's not going to go against you. And they were on that letter of good standing. They logged calls for advice that were even, you you could go as far as to say they were hypothetical situations. I was worrying about things and I thought mm-hmm. I better speak to them about it. And um, that really upset me because I thought, you know what? You're, you're using these things. Mm. Um, I would say go to your... Ind- Indemnity will say come to us with everything. That's not bad advice. And actually, if you have good indemnity, it shouldn't be held mm-hmm. against you. It's smart to get advice before you make decisions. Mm. But I wouldn't call them because you're worried about something that hasn't happened or something a patient has said. But as soon as you have a mention from a patient that they're upset, whether it's verbal or written, mm-hmm. it's good to speak to your indemnity because they might have some good advice mm-hmm. about how to diffuse the situation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, good good indemnity companies will reward you for that rather than punish you for it. Yeah. Does it ever affect your fee? Uh, not to date. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the with discretionary, I can't say I feel like it did. But with insurance based ones, I feel like I feel like they kind of go, you know what, you're a safe driver. Because every time you're about to hit knock someone on a bike, you call us and say, should I hit them? And they, we go, no, don't do it, right? That's kind of what it feels like. And where they get to be involved before it escalates. And especially mm-hmm. if, um, uh, like, you know, your track record for, they say on average at one point, you were likely to get a complaint every year, like the average dentist in mm. the UK. Um, and I never had that average. I, th- I don't know many people that do, but it means that some people are getting a lot off complaints. Mm. And... Um, so I would say, yeah, um, call them and speak to them. They'll keep you safe. Yeah. Remember to tune back in for part two. Thank you for listening to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. Send us a DM with any questions, queries or topic suggestions. And remember, you can watch our episodes on YouTube. Please rate and review the podcast. This episode was produced by Simon Regan.